Hi everyone, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following podcast belong solely to the host and its contributors. They are not necessarily the views of our employers, organizations, committees, or other group or individual. I'm David Campbell. And I'm Joseph Whitney. This is Brewing with BIM. Where we talk about construction processes, technology, BIM, and beer. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Brewing with BIM. As always, I'm Joe Whitney. With me is Dave Campbell, and we've got another great guest with us again. Uh, a kind of repeat, uh, Johan Tuckler. What's up, Johan? How's it going, guys? David, Joey, thanks again for uh, for having me and inviting me and uh, talking this BIM stuff. Love this BIM stuff. And drinking <laughs> some good and drinking some good beers and and. And spirits. There you <laughs> spirits, go. man. So I don't know about you guys. I'm uh, I'm still sipping on some of this uh, Oregon whiskey from the last episode. I've got this Rogue uh, Spirits. I don't know if you can see. I got to move it a certain way. Uh, it's not <laughs> it's not the dead guy, but it's uh, it's still good. Um, washing it down with a little bit of Dr Pepper just to change the color. But what about you guys? What are you drinking on? Go ahead, so, Johan. <laughs> I got I got two things. I got uh, I got. Bullet bourbon, I saw the I saw the gift pack for the holidays. I was like, ah, I gotta get it. I gotta get the cups. Yeah. Hey, I got the cups too, dude. That's the exact reason why I got it. I was looking at it like I'm gonna get the cups. Yeah. So uh, I'm drinking some eggnog, you know, it's the yeah. holidays, and uh, I got some uh, hazy IPA from uh, Crux Fermentation Projects. It's uh, some brewery out out at a bend some all right you know the the same story three guys <laughs> starting a brewery so so yeah it's, yeah. it's just a nice crispy crispy ipa i like i like crux brewing man today uh i actually got some basil hayden's whiskey so it's been one of my favorites lately man i just i love the taste of this on ice um i realized i will never i mean you i, I like sponsorship it. for basil hayden's but Dude, i do right well, I, I realize that I, I, I really enjoy the, the kind of sweetness of this, like the, all the notes of this uh, whiskey as a sipping. And if I turn it into an old fashioned, it's good, but it's not as good. I feel like I'm ruining it. Right. I'll turn that like cheaper bottle or the, the man, if I could get the box of whiskey. Right. You get the box of whiskey. I'm good for old fashions for like a couple weeks, man. That that thing is that's where it's at for the old fashions. You can cover it up with the simple syrup and some cherry juice. Man, some orange bitters. Uh, but besides my uh, basil Hayden I got there, I got a uh, Hop Valley Bubble Stash, uh, Hazy IPA. Nice. Yeah. Heck yeah. I'm down with the Hazy IPAs too, man. It's it's a little chilly outside, right? So it's like you want a little bit thicker of a beer, you know, a little more bodied. And, of course, I love the higher alcohol content that usually comes with a <laughs> an IPA. Warms you up, man. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, how was your uh, before we dive in and talk about, you know, BIM being more than models, which, by the way, that hashtag is I've been trying to put it on everything. I love it. Ever since you tagged it, man, that was is that is that your personal hashtag? You came up with that one? Uh, I got to say, I haven't seen anybody else use it before me. So I, I got to say, <laughs> yes. yeah. I, I all right. It. All right. I, I love it. it, man. I love it. I try to use it on everything. Yeah. Uh, and we've been trying to do Sim is more than models, too. Yeah. Uh, not not quite the catch, but uh <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> pushing it, man. We're, we're uh, we, our whole message lately has been all right. We talk about BIM a lot, 
But let's talk more about connected construction because when we talk about BIM, we're talking about people think about silos for vertical construction. But what about the ground that comes before it? What about the the non-model oriented information? Um, I mean, there's a lot that goes to it and it all plays together, man. So this, yep. you know, whatever it is, is more than models. It's yep. it's perfect, man. It's perfect. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, and I love, you know, the fact that we can get so many um, different points, different kind of viewpoints, I want to say, on BIM, on how these tools are used, right? Because as we all talk about BIM is, well, they, you have BIM processes, right? You have different pieces of the BIM workflow that you can use as tools, right, to, to aid your workflow. And essentially, we, you know, I mean, we love Johan coming on because, again, he brings that different point of view the, from the owner's kind of perspective, right? So we kind of try to switch it up. We're software developing, and we can talk about the BIM workflows there. We can talk about the owner's representation because, um, I mean, really, I think that's what we really need to do. That's what the point of this podcast is, right? We're trying to educate everybody, and we're trying to, uh, of course – Talk about the pain points from an owner's perspective that maybe a contractor or VDC manager who's listening does not really know, right? And maybe, hey, we understand that this owner's rep is talking on the podcast about what the pain points are, what they try to get, the deliverables that typically help them down the road. Yeah, man, it's going to help, I feel like, everybody raise our industry up together. Well, you and I can talk about you know software all day long and workflows and getting people uh, involved for the project, right? But we never talk about it from an owner's perspective. One, because we don't have the insight like this man right here. Um, <laughs> he's, he's the expert. And then two, the we expert. talk about like facilities management, uh, BIM facilities management. You know, there's a whole educating the owner that has to go into it. And there has to be upfront, you know, setting the standards um, with the owner to make sure that everybody gets that information. We can talk about it in construction in the field, but um, Johan, man, you're the man when it comes to this stuff. We love having you on. You're, you're the expert. And when, when we uh, think about uh, BIM from an owner's perspective, BIM for FM, and uh, just overall BIM uh, being more than models, hashtag uh, <laughs> love chatting with you, man. Yeah, no, again, honored, appreciate, appreciate it. Because, yeah, I mean, like you said, it, it is just a, a perspective that, that is kind of um, thought about last, right? And, uh, you know, I, I mentioned this in a, in a you know, comment or, or, or post in LinkedIn is, you know, I'm coming, I come from the old school BIM where it's like Penn State PSU BIM uh, reference material where they're saying, you know, start with the end in mind, right? And if we're starting, if we're looking at these uh, individual phases, are we actually thinking about the end in mind? Are we actually thinking about whether or not we're providing documents, are we providing data, are we providing a building, a system, what are we providing? And most of the time, what our contract um, describes what our responsibility is, doesn't necessarily benefit the owner's needs and uh, requirements for what they need. And sometimes, like you said, it, it's about it's about educating them and, um, you know, a lot of the discussions that that we're going to have today, kind of, um, we're going we're talking about uh, facility management um, organizations, you know, uh, organizations that are that have a portfolio of of assets that they need to um, track and analyze. Um, with the smaller project, with the smaller with the smaller um, uh, clients, it's a little different. There's more of that education and learning curve. 
but yeah, th- these these discussions or this podcast or you know episode is more about those um, those larger facility owners that that have a huge asset, um, you know, responsibility. <laughs> so you said something there that, that uh, I actually just got a uh, new insight into recently working with some customers. Um, so Penn State's project, right? Their uh, you know their BIM standards that they've had their execution plan. Um, they're the holy grail, right? They're, they're the starting point that all of us start from on a project because they were there, right? Somebody wrote them, we adopted them. I'm now working with a few of the firms that um, worked with Penn State on the project where they helped set this up. And um, I'm finding that they still haven't adopted BIM. The, it was more about framework and buying specific software, but um, the workflows and the sharing of data and the the processes to ensuring that, you know, the common data environment's there and everybody's working from the same model and that the information is is being pumped back in the model, all that sort of stuff. It was never there for these projects and uh, they're only just now getting there. So even even the, you know, the the OG, right? You're the OG, but talk about the OG, right? Uh, Penn State, like it sounds yeah. like they're they're just now getting to a point where this is more more common, but that said, you work on much larger projects. Uh, the project you're working on now, or I don't know if you're still working on it. The, still working uh, on it. Oh yep. man, going to be going on for a while, I imagine, right? Yep. yep. There's a there's definitely a lot of work to do. Um, yeah, with uh, my client here, one of the airports here in uh, in Oregon. So yeah, <laughs> definitely a lot of work. Uh, information management, asset management. I mean, again, if with um, large asset portfolios. That is what the owner um, is really interested in. I mean, a building, a drawing, yeah, they're going to get it. But that's not what they need to um, operate and maintain that that facility system or and or asset. Yeah, so being in the Pacific Northwest, we had a, you know, a multitude of, you know, Fortune 100 companies and stuff that are headquartered there. And we worked with like space planning departments and all that sort of stuff. So further downstream, a building's built and they want to utilize BIM, but they're still working off of 2D sets, 2D information. Nobody has built it. There's no, it's, it's full of inaccuracies. It never tied in an FM system. Like, so even like, you know, the largest clients, right? Um, there was, there's still like a shortness of, of connecting, you know, BIM to the owner. So I think the perspective that you've taken with this project and the, the owner that you work with now on this project, they're. Um, they're doing everything they can to educate themselves in BIM. You know, they're a great client, like working with them. So like um, their whole process in this, I imagine it's been evolving. Um, are you working a lot with the asset teams, the asset, the information teams, uh, FM team? Sorry, I can't even speak. Absolutely. Um, that That is, again, that is what I came here to to kind of uh, talk about today uh, when, when we're talking about BIM for owners. You know, what the owner need is not drawings is is not specs they don't we, we've been working from that um that traditional way for a long time and what we're finding out is that that is unstructured data somebody still needs to go in there and read the document and extract the information and one make sure first make sure that it's there two make sure that it's in the right format and then you're like oh <laughs> It's not in the right format, so then they have to redo the spec or redo, you know, the the nomenclature and the drawings because it doesn't meet what uh, is already, you know, in a in an already existing database or yeah. or portfolio. Do, so, do you, 
Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No. I was, I was gonna, gonna say, say dude, I'm gonna jump in on this because I'm like, I'm writing a pi- a paper like uh, with a lot of this. I talk about a lot of this in that in that article right now, and it kind of goes back to Joey's point of connected construction, right? And what I want to see is this overall integrated database model, right? And in this model, they can get into it like an owner, let's say the owner's perspective, get into it to select their different equipment and pull manufacturer's information, warranty information, you know, and and be able to like tie it back to almost like the QR code system, right? To what, but also in in a sense of tracking and, and when assets and let's say phases or the building, whatever it is, updates, we need to track that. Right. And and I mean, so let's get bigger than the building, because as again, connecting construction and construction in general, you have to think bigger than just the building. It's the site, the entire site, everything that's on it. You need to know about the pipes, the connections, like your equipment and owners need to, to understand and kind of control all of that. So especially let's say if they're if they're going into like we, we talked about phases, phase two, if you're going to start upgrading your facilities, we have to go with this new pump because it's going to go ahead and upgrade what we we can push for gallons per minutes in terms of water or whatever it is. We need a database that's not only going to track that the pump is there, but also the it's going to be able to analyze and 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 tell us like we can run well tests, right? Kind of simulations on it to be able to understand what they can and cannot do to help the owner make the best decision possible. I really think that once we can get this integrated database of information it's going to make everything easier of course for everybody involved right i mean we talked about as building right and that's a huge thing um that i that i kind of feel like falls to the wayside after a building is delivered right that's just it that the building's done there are the drawings they go to die it's fine and yeah you wash your hands of it and that's gone and then next thing you know man they're trying to get back into it and this place has like three additions in the past few years and you're like well, that's not there. Well, that's not there. Who did this? You know, <laughs> and it just makes things harder for anybody else down the line. It, it, it really does. So cities have uh, systems like so real quick. Um, the system that you mentioned about uh, BIM and QR coding. Have you seen BIM 360 ops yet? No, I haven't seen the new one. Uh, you have, Johan? I've seen previews. Um there's still a lot of uh, work uh, oh, there, to be done, but yes, you know, it's it looks not promising. A, it's not a full, in my mind, it's not a full FM system, but it is a work ticket management system that allows you to take the asset information and the BIM data and give it to an owner in, in an easy to consume format, in my mind, right? That's that's the simplest, That that's where we're at. It's not an FM system, it's not to replace that, but it gives you gives owners access into a BIM model without having, you know, designers on hand or, or having, you know, having to have a, a Revit background or, or, or what have you. Um, two, second off, the point that you were making about uh, data and analyzing, that's where we need to be, man. We do have some of these components already. Like, so for instance, city of Portland, uh, which Johan, I'm sure you've worked with and, and are aware, but they've got um, systems in place. Uh, there's a GIS system and they have an asset management system. Their asset management system tracks everything. You know, you know we've got all the pipes in the ground, we've got everything, you know, it's not a hundred percent. Right. And that's the issue with most things is they're not a hundred percent, but it's pretty good. Right. They've got this full, like insane database of all this information that they can pull information from, uh, contractors can request information from, 
and then uh, there's the GIS database, and we can aggregate the two. What we're missing is BIM level data making its way into that system, and we've only really just become to a point where we're actually able to, you know, cross back and forth. And I'm not saying it's it's 100% either, but um, there's got to be a platform, a system, something that's going to marry all these two together. And uh, uh, Johan, have you had any um, luck or you know played with anything that's kind of piqued your interest in this? Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, I fortunately. Um, it, my role in, in a lot of the projects uh, is, is guidance, right? So, you know, the responsibility and execution lies in, in other parties. So I luckily learn a lot from other people's mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good benefit, man. You yeah, always get guidance. hindsight. It right? is. And, and what, I'm, what I'm realizing is that, you know, um, again, what we need to focus on is information management. Right. What the owner needs to realize is that the project isn't just producing drawing specs in a building. It's producing data that is going to be, like you said, at the end of the project, you know, they're just going to say, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> We're done. Yep. Please send the final <laughs> check. Right. So so part of that issue, though, has got to be data standards, like structuring the data, because you said unstructured data is always an issue. It is. We can sort through it. But aggregating it, working with it. You know, if anybody that's ever done anything with a database knows that, that unstructured data, it's it's not predictable. Um, and we need predictable data, right? We need three-dimensional data that we can, not, not three-dimensional in geometry, but three-dimensional as think of a cube of data that we can push and pull in any way that we want. Um, you know, whether you have set standards, whether it's done through uh, an SQL, it's, you know, access, you know, whatever, there's there's data points and they're all intermingled some way like that's good enough for us to, to pull from, but then you still have to go through and you have to map fields to your system and other people's systems. So like, it seems like Kobe was a big standard for a while that people were pushing to export data. And it was primarily just so that they would have every field you know, imaginable, but nobody really knew how to interact with it or use it, except for you know maybe 1% of all revenue users, what less than 1% of all users, right? So are you have you seen things change or is it still Kobe? Or, or is there some something else that could be coming up? So interestingly enough, I, I had this question um, at, at you know my, one of my coworkers kind of messaged me on Teams real quick. He said, "Hey, you know, um, Kobe or Uniformat?" And I said, "You know, I, I kind of thought about it, and again, it it's, it begins with the end in mind, <laughs> right? These are two different." Um, classification formats for two different purposes, right? Uh, Kobe is um, going to classify elements based on materials so that a contractor can quickly give you a cost estimation per the material, right? Yeah, and, and that right. Yeah. Exactly. And that aligns with the spec, okay? Um, Uniformat uh, define allows you to define um, services um, elements um, in the built environment uh, by service. You know you've got you've got different levels that you can classify uh, building elements and building services. Uh, and really, what is driving this um, implementation is asset management uh, um, managers <laughs> uh, and, and programs. 
currently right now, a lot of facility, a lot of asset managers are going to use Maximo. And if you're going to use Maximo, um, best practices, is, at least that I've seen in airports, is that you're going to use UniFormat uh, too. And there's always that um, alignment with master format. So, so again, it, it really it's really determined on what is the information needed for. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. What's your end goal? Exactly. Yeah, that, that's really what I think a lot of this also needs to be. Um, I mean, this that that kind of encompasses the entire. I, I want to think process like you should start from the beginning with the end goal in mind, right? But it, but in the same sense, like let, let's break this down a little bit further. Joey, you and I were talking about this the other day um, when I've, I mean, I've been geeking out into smart cities lately and I just, I keep going deeper and deeper with it. I love the connectivity of it, but I also hate that it's still, even though it's, you know, smart cities, it's still siloed. It's still disconnected. It's very you dumb. Know? <laughs> it is. It's very dumb. It's a smart well, city, it, but it's very dumb. Yes. Yeah, it is. But um, I, I love the kind of, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I, w I was thinking of how I love the the kind of interconnectivity of everything and how, um, I don't know, I guess we're looking to, I, I guess, push, push, looking how to, I guess, push this data because that, that's really the biggest thing and, and figuring out how to get, um, again, this kind of one model that I don't know is is going to allow us to do more than just okay this is where our building's going to sit this is what we're going to do but like it, what Joey and I were talking about was the demographic information the psychographic information like utilities. positioning yes utilities like know, knowing the extent of the existing infrastructure without having yes. like what is the the like have an automated like generative design process that can go in there and say all right you know you know Chili's, where do you want to put your next restaurant? Well, my next restaurant needs to conform to these standards. I need to have seating for 150 people. I need to have a parking lot that fits this. And I'm, you know, really trying to, you know, you know, not do as much site work, reduce my site work as much as possible as far as tapping into an, an existing infrastructure yeah. and roadways and all that stuff, like what we're responsible for. So and it's, it's like, almost like setting up a house search, right? Yeah. You're, you're putting in those parameters, those filters, and you can start helping the, the owner once they can figure out what that end goal is, right? You can start helping to educate them and help them make these better decisions because, you know, one, two, I mean, I, I've seen it. I don't even know how many times buildings start up and there's so much excitement. It's great. And then after a while, it just it tanks. And then there's a new owner, and then a new owner, and then a new owner. And you're like, what is going on? Yeah. yeah. And it, finding it's, that it's, the vault actually was in the street, is in the street yeah. or over a property line, and who's yeah, responsible dude, for that? Just, oh, you are. It's just yeah. yeah and then the up, misuse man. of it. You try to put so many different buildings here because you think it's going to be a great idea, but in all reality, if you you know, put it, you know, over here in this lot or over here in this lot, it would have fit you better. You could have gotten more of your kind of traffic, whatever you're trying to aim for. You know, I mean, it's just there's so much information that I feel is out there in terms of, you know, just as I'm saying, demographic, psychographic, everything that we could really start to pull into um, designing and placing these buildings and the sites, as you're saying, you know, knowing your existing connections, what's what does the city have currently that we can hook up to and how can we, you know, how are we going to be able to optimize this? You know, I, I worked at a we have that data, though. It, we have that data. It's not just getting the 
generative design component in place and then tapping that with gener- with um, psychographics. So if you've ever used, I always talk about GIS with you, man. If you use GIS, you know, there's a psychographics yep. component through mosaics that'll tap in all this stuff and you can, you know, pull all that data. So that's just one component of it. Uh, and that's just site-based. So say we yep. have this site, we want to analyze it. Well, now let's do the generative design component and figure out, hey, can we get, you know, the amount of square feet that we need with the size parking lot and where can we not best have- position this building to where we can grow with this and we have exactly. optimal, we're not gonna encroach on anybody's property lines. If I get this big and I have to put a retention pond in, where can mm-hmm. I place that? It's the end. Like you said, if you wanna you wanna grow to be this big, you gotta plan well, on being that big. But the reason why I mentioned that path is so we have a lot of those tools, but Autodesk new acquisition with a generative design component for sites, I think that's this might actually be a piece that we can utilize in the future. I mean, there's going to take some scripting and stuff to get it involved. And I know there's a UK company already doing this and they're ahead of the curve with most people, but it seems like um, to give everybody the power, the tools are starting to line up, man. Maybe five years, we'll see what happens. But I, I want it today. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want it now. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I think one, one, my only gripe, you know, with uh, digital twin mm-hmm. and smart cities is really that, you know, it, to me, it, it just feels like a rebranding of a process um, that is already being overlooked, which is asset management. Yep. Okay. Um, and when you boil down asset management, what it really all is, is information management, right? You got to yep. define how you're going to classify the thing that you're going to look for later on when it breaks, right? So <laughs> do you see ha- asset management as the component, a major component of it, obviously, is having a digital twin, quote unquote, mm-hmm. of the site, of the specific information or assets that you're wanting to to have in their correct location. So theoretically, you have a digital twin. You're just saying that it's like that's that digital twin nomenclature is actually part of the asset management side. Exactly. It's just uh, another um, portal, if you will, to access the data that, like you said, is already available. Mm -hmm. We've traditionally for since CAD has been around, have been making even hand drawings since drawings have been around. We've been so focused on drawings, right? And again, what, what we're realizing is that within those drawings, there is unstructured data, which give me a table so I don't have to read <laughs> a bunch of stuff or, or, or give me a file format that will let me access um, this, these attributes behind the scenes in a different way. And, and, and again, let's have it, let's uh, keep the end in mind. Um, because we need to understand what the format is, right? So that when we present it to to our stakeholders, it, it's in a format and nomenclature that you know they understand, right? Yep. Um, yeah. That that's an important component to think of. When we thought, when people think about or talk about digital twins, for the most part, they're like, oh, scanners or a 360 photo of something. So we we know where everything is. We've captured it. Therefore, it is a digital twin. But you haven't captured any information that goes in it. Now you have to bring it into another software, you know, Matterport or whatever, and actually plug in the information. But really all you did is you you just captured the site, right but you model. left off all the, yeah. But there's <laughs> so, no- Exactly. 
it's like okay so what i'm what i'm kind of uh realizing is that one major step and the the first step in the bim execution planning process is not being done at least um in 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 unsuccessful projects okay and that is define your owner's goals right and because their owner goal isn't for you to make drawings <laughs> Isn't for you to make specs, and isn't for you to make a like building. Like that's why that's obvious. They hired you to to do that already, mm-hmm. right? But that's not what they need to actually keep um, to maximize the use of this thing, right? And that's the first thing that we need to educate them. If if they don't know already, is is hey, we're gonna come at this design at a perspective of we need to maximize how you know this service this system this asset uh for you so that you can maintain after we're gone that that is the true uh intent of the design it's not let's make sure it doesn't hit anything (laughs) (laughs) the true intent of the design is make sure that it works and it lasts for as long as we say it lasts right yep exactly so so let's let's capture that information in a matter that can be translated and, and visualized, visualized in different ways because di- di- that same information is needed um, for different users and stakeholders. It's the same information. It's just visualized in different ways. D- Dave, you and I chat about this often. Uh, the BIM that we see is BIM for coordination. That's that's should be one percent of your BIM, your BIM processes. You know, maybe yeah, higher than one percent. But design, it's like yeah, in design you're gonna have uh, design authoring making drawings and maybe clash detection maybe hopefully fingers crossed clash detection and then you you run into that situation where okay it's easy to clash architectural and structural super easy but when you get into services you want to talk about uh, uh, mechanical electrical plumbing and piping Oh yeah, that every outlet never... that touches the wall, every pipe that goes through the wall. Exactly. People so not modeling. The... So then that question, you know, the owner's looking at looking at, you know, an execution plan or, or you know, kind of googling and looking at oh, and then realizing there's LOD and they're like going to a meeting like, hey, what happened to the LOD? And then in design phase they say, well, our our, you know, responsibility is design intent. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't really know. What they're going to put out in the field because we haven't really <laughs> because we haven't one because we haven't really captured the existing condition and by the way if you want us to do that it's going to be a little bit more because yep. that wasn't written into our contract in the beginning because we don't you know the owners that that have these big assets portfolios um, need to uh, begin to start assessing what they have and then providing that to to the design teams. Otherwise, you know, they're going to pay for it. They're going to pay for yeah. it either way, you yeah. know. So so it, it's that, you know, I think that kind of working with Mont McDonald, we think about um, a lot about maximizing how we win projects, right? It's not just, you know, we're going to build you, we're going to give you a design or we're going to manage the um, the construction of it. That's not really what we want to do. We're doing that already. That's that that's given, right? We want we want to make sure that the product that we give you is is maximized 
for the needs that you see and the needs that we see as professionals around the industry because that's really what why they're hiring us they're hiring us because we have the ability to see in different clients and de- see in different require different requirements so they hire us to to give them the perspective of of looking into their current workflows and saying hey you know other places do it like this other airports do it like this other you know, um, transportation authorities do it like this. So that that's kind of, um, you know, really key, I guess, shout out to Mom McDonald, working with a group like that, because we have so much and, and we're, we have a broad range of expertise that we can bring in, you know, ad hoc kind of and, and, and provide that expertise to, to the client. So, um, but yeah, like you said, it's about educating too, you know, the client, you know, we have to kind of coax the client to understand what it is what it is they need, right? Yep. Yep. I really I, I, I feel like we, we really need to help them understand what they need, but I, I think also another portion of that that goes um, kind of under it's it's underrated or it's underlooked at, I guess, is visualization, right? Um, I think that's another part of this that's a huge piece of like that's a piece of of course the BIM workflows. Um, the sim workflows, whatever it is, like to be able to visualize, well, let's say one, your space, the existing conditions, right? To be able to make better decisions, visualize the existing conditions, the existing systems, everything like that, right? But also the data, we need to let them visualize the data, help them to understand what they're looking at. Like, hey, we've done this with this project, this project, and this project. I know you're new at this, but this is what I'm going to tell you. This is the data that we've collected from these three projects with you know, MEP firms, whatever it is. And we think that we can help you make the best decision by doing this. And if we do this, you know, then we start running through different scenarios. We can actually help them to visualize that. This is what your building can look like. This is what, you know, this is the layout of this. And it really, I feel like that goes a long way for not only educating, but also really helping them get that um, that buy-in to the entire process as well, right? Because Absolutely. I mean, if you're if you're just throwing data at them, you're selling them on data. You know what I mean? Anybody can sell somebody on data. Yeah, I'm going to give you so much data, you're not going to know what to do with half of it. <laughs> like, you know, but like, what am I going to do with the rest of this? How does that help me? If you can show them, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to take this scan, we're going to do this, whatever it is, and it's going to help you like this, right? This is the information that it gives us, and this is how we can use it. Once you help them visualize that process and help them understand the benefits of it, then you can push forward with that because you've educated them, right? And they're armed with that and they're ready to go. And otherwise, you're going to get apprehension every time. Like, well, that's new. We, I didn't do that on my last building or my buddy owns a building over here and they didn't do that. I'm like, okay, that's cool. And really, if we ever really want to get to, you know, smart cities and, and digital twins for, um, you know, public services, you know, we have to approach that to the people who are who are maintaining and operating these systems. You know, that that's what we have to include. It's not just, yeah, we can build you this. It's not that, yeah, we can, you know, manage the construction. It's that no, we can provide you way more than that. We can max we can help you maximize this asset. That that's what we what we want to bring in. 
Yep. Um, and, and and honestly, a, a lot of the firms that are taking that point of view of of maximizing maximizing in general, <laughs> maximizing uh, um, but but maximizing the asset to the client, they're the ones really you know continually getting that work because um, it's it's an it, it is an easier asset to track, to analyze, and to maintain because the one thing that the the biggest weight waste of time in in a lot of uh, the phases of this um, the life cycle of this asset is just research right you're just if it's unstructured you're just literally looking through drawings <laughs> right yeah. and you're like oh there it is and you're like oh that's not that <laughs> yep yep Dude, and when then you, you when... go to the spec and you're like mm, is this the right one <laughs> so you're spending you know a week just trying to understand what is built versus what is documented when when you know if we again uh, emphasize the need for information management um, and asset management and how that really plays a big role for the owner in BIM, then that's how we can maximize the end result and the goal. Yep, yeah. You so, know, I I really want to see less handoff. That's really what I want to see is less handoff from um, contractors and project partners and more of a understanding of like a, a long-term relationship. Right. You're getting into this um, relationship where I've I've built this building for you. All right. And we're going to come out every so often. We're going to check on it. We can take a scan or we can take images. Let's update. Let's make sure that the drawings are updated, that the equipment's updated. If there are any changes, let's go ahead and update this for you. You know, and that's all put up front so that as that well, building grows. That's a services contract that follows, man. You're, uh, oh, you're, trying, man. you're trying to marry you them. and the not, bad not word. Just, you said the bad word, Joey. Contract. You're trying to yeah. marry him, man. They're trying to give you a one-night stand and yeah, move on, dude. dude. What well, the hell? You're right. You're right. I mean, this. any effort in in improvement, in in um, you know, pushing forward the envelope of of how we deliver this project is always going to be stopped by contractual responsibility. So I, honestly, I think that if we really want to get to that digital twin, if we really want to get to smart cities, we really need to, you know, have a a better look at what a coordinated design means for oh, a contract. Yeah. There we go. Coordinated design. And earlier I said coordination counts for 1%. What I meant is it counts for one item, not 1%. That was the dumbest thing I could have said. Um, I meant one item. Don't quote Joey on statistics. Don't quote Joey on anything, guys. Uh, So I had the privilege of working with a a company that does this for Microsoft where they're kind of the third party, not necessarily um, an owner's owner's rep or anything like that, and they're not a contract manager, but they're involved, and they fulfill a lot of the same responsibilities but without a lot of the push and pull. But what they can do is they can request information in a certain way so that no matter what, Microsoft always has the – the data structured in a way for their project. So there's doing like this seven, yeah, I don't know if you guys know about the Microsoft Village project. It's like seven seven different sites. You know, there's a whole bunch of site work. There's underground parking structures. It's insane. It's a great project. I thought that's where you were at right now. Yeah, you know, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm actually in the bungee <laughs> office. Where that's a good, that's a good office. one there. Like that. <laughs> oh, man. I, uh, so, uh, Got to whisper this between you guys and me. I got my kids an Xbox for Christmas. It's also I can start playing the new Halo. God damn it! Dude, I am, dude, that's I am such so a good excited. idea. 
that's such a good idea. I'm going to use that. I want an Xbox too. And so does Dave. <laughs> that's it. He's, that's so, his big present, man. <laughs> my wife, my wife wanted a, she wanted to play Crash Bandicoot. So I was like, oh yeah, we'll go up game systems, play Crash Bandicoot. I'm like, oh, okay, Xbox plays it. So, uh, I thought that was PlayStation only was Crash Bandicoot. No, man, it's uh, it's on Xbox now. So uh, got nice. that and uh, got the Xbox and uh, Game Pass, all that stuff. So I'm I'm so yeah. excited. Come on, man, Christmas can't come soon enough. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I'm awesome. gonna play the I'm gonna play the shit. Did you get the, you get the Xbox One? <laughs> no, no, man, the uh, the 360. Oh, okay. No, wait, wait, which one's the one? Is the yeah, no, I got the one. I got the okay, one. Okay, I was going to say, yeah. I was like, all right, man. 360 is like three, five, ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. that's like the PlayStation 3. That's like the PlayStation 2, <laughs> PlayStation 3 kind of era. We're no, in the no. 4 and 5 now, Joey. Where are you? No. Yeah. <laughs> I got the one instead of the X or whatever the new one is, the X yeah. series. And that's yeah, only yeah. because the X series is impossible to find. Oh, yeah, no, not doing it. Yeah. And and people who are selling them are like, oh, I'll, I'll take like $1,000 for this. I'm like, yeah, I'll wait till they restock shelves. It's like that's I'll, okay. buy a, a, I'll buy a, 15, a $1,500, you know, laptop, gaming laptop. Yeah, exactly. right? Yeah. At that point, yeah. Or or just a desktop, you know. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. While you're talking about laptops and desktops, man, I got to tell you, I'm entranced with your background back I'm there. I'm loving it, dude. That's great. It, what what is it? Just, What's it from? It's just a YouTube video. Oh, all right, you know, man. You know what though? Really, video in, backgrounds. In yeah. all reality, that's uh, it, it's funny. But I was looking at that earlier, and we're talking about smart cities, and I keep thinking about something like that being a smart <laughs> city, like what you the database that you can go pull information from. You know what I mean? <laughs> it has all the buildings, the transportation systems, all the underground piping networks. And everything. I want to see that, man. The, the issue with smart cities, though, is it's a scary concept. You think about giving people all that data, access to all that data. It has to be behind some kind of firewall. It has to be no, behind some kind it, of encrypted protection, right? Like, you wouldn't it, think it's that. It's actually right? it, you know, cloud. Well, all right. It's like been through 60s. You have to manage the access rights, yep. right? Yep. You know, yep. if you want to look at it, okay, great. Here's the model. But if you want to, you know, interact with it and and, and Get access more than that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like that. That's I think you know, it's kind of like um, how we publish GIS specific GIS maps that has specific data. That's really, yeah, you know, how, how to. We, we don't give them all the layers. That. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. You know, if you, you want to see more data. And yeah, if you want to that's more it. data, send a request. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's yeah. it, man. <laughs> freedom for freedom and of I know, information. I know act. everybody is scared. You know, everybody's scared of technology to a sense. Like we all grow up with that. What was that movie? Smart House or something Die like Hard. that. Oh, no, sorry, Die Hard. Yeah. Smart House. They have the schematics <laughs> to the building, man. <laughs> you went rated R and he went G. <laughs> right, right. And I was like, dude. Uh, like smart house, like it was crazy. They locked them all in and everything like that. The house takes control. And you know, that's what you're, you're, you look at that. You look at Terminator with Skynet and you're like, man, if we send everything up to the cloud, what happens when the cloud gets smarter than us? It has all of our data, right? But that's just, I think that's just a fear of pushing into the future, right? I think that's kind of one of those blocks. Did you, and I, what? Did you guys ever watch that show? Um, Ah, oh, shit. Now I'm blanking on it. But it was the, the guy that played uh, Jesus Christ and Passion of the Christ, uh, John Caviezel, Jim Caviezel, whatever. And he like was like uh, 
he, there was AI talking to him and it would tell him to go and like save people's lives. Do you guys remember this show? No. Uh, no. No. It's an amazing show. But but to your point, Dave, it's like one AI came in existence and another AI came in existence in the show and then they were battling it out and killing people because and, and people didn't know what was going on. Like they didn't know that AI in the background was manipulating our everyday lives. I think that that's probably more realistic is is that AI in the cloud. It's not going to be like some mass event where we're going to be able to point our fingers at it. They're going to be smart enough to know. No, no. Let's let these humans point their fingers at themselves or something. Man. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm going to yeah, look up the show. You know, and, and again, going back to, you know, structured versus unstructured data. Okay. The, you know, I'm going to wrap in AI with digital twins and smart cities. We can't have that if we don't have structured data. Yes. Exactly. Person okay. of interest. We just can't. We just can't. I mean, you, the, the algorithm still needs a data set to check against and rules to check against. I mean, we're not at a point in AI, and I'm not an AI expert by any means, but as far as I've seen, we're not at a point where AI is, is really um, making decisions and actually asking the question for it to then answer. No, we're it's mostly predictive yet. analytics. It's all, that's exactly. all it is. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, so, so you know, it's really... I don't know what it is, who, who's determining the, the marketing angle in the industry, but these acronyms, right, BIM, SIM, digital twins, smart cities, it boils down to keep having the end in mind of what the owner needs, right, and they need data, and how are we going to present that data in a format that they can access it in, in, in various platforms, Yes. How does it translate? That's huge. Right. Like, how does it communicate so, and translate between other platforms? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why BIM is more than models, because especially for owners, BIM, B-I-M, is not building information modeling. That's far from it. That's already in the contract that the design, the designer and the contractors is already obligated to do. Mm-hmm. There, there for the owner is information management. There you go. That unstructured but, data that is being delivered at the end of the project that is in drawings, that is in specs, that can really that is needed and necessary to operate this facility. One hundred percent. So I think we're closer, you know, this is twenty twenty and it's been the year of hell, but I think we are closer in twenty twenty than we were, say, three years ago even. Yeah. To having this, you know, know, the programs that you mentioned earlier with Maximo and and being able to take Revit data and structuring this data, like there's been a, like people are more knowledgeable. They know what questions to ask. Owners seem more educated uh, for whatever reason, you know, like. Well, we're all using models and and the owner wants to maximize the use of the models. Yep. There you go. 100%. Uh, To David, David, you had this. I don't, we talked about this, I don't know, maybe like 20 episodes ago. It's hard to imagine 20 episodes ago, but like yeah. a while back, we were talking about BIM for deconstruction, for demolition, essentially. Yep. Um, so like, think about that. Like, that's got to be another whole, we talk about BIM for the owner's perspective. Like the owner, you know, maybe it's a different owner at that point, but the owner is going to demolish this building. What can be saved? What can be utilized for... Uh, the next phase, say they want to tear down this half and rebuild, but use this, you know, section over here. Like all this information comes into play. So we, I don't know, like we almost have to think 
it seems like even beyond the asset management information, like just to think, I don't know, man, I don't want to overwhelm well, them with data, but it, it all has to be there. Yeah. Yep. Well, well, dude, you well, think uh, of any like life cycle chart, right? When you think about construction in general and you think about a building life cycle as a chart, you, you see where it begins as the drawings, everything like that, where it goes through its different phases of life, right, until it reaches demolition, right? But at that point in time, that's only the building. That's not the site, right? The entire site is living. It changes. It grows based on what changes are made, what codes are enforced throughout the years. Everything changes, and it has to update, dude. If you want to really empower these owners when they're making these purchases, you have to give them that accurate data up front to say, okay, here is this. This is what it has currently. This is how it can go. But is that accurate geometry or is that accurate information to go along with the uh, geometry? Like I want both, bro. Here's the, I want here's the geometry the and I want, I want the all. data. I want it all. Let's go. Yo, it, on, go ahead, yeah, man. you're right. It depends on the phase. Mm-hmm. It depends on the phase, right? You know, in the early planning stages, you only need you, you need more information to define your scope. Later on in the design or in the phases of the project, you start um, filling in the blanks, right? So, you know, this structured data that we're talking about, it's not built overnight. It's not built in one day, and it's not the responsibility of one person, Mm -mm. right? And and that's another thing that, um, you know, our industry should be educating owners about is, you know, this information is developed and by all of us Mm -hmm. for the for the purpose of you using it, right? How does that work out contractually, though? So uh, contractually, you say you said it again. <laughs> well, hey, look, man. Unless you're right, con- contracts contracts dictate the way that we collaborate. It dictates the way that we we not only the way that we work, but also the scope of the work. You know, who's providing what information to whom? Oh, I'm sorry. I yeah, that's in the contract, but that doesn't specifically say that I did, and I didn't bid on that component. So therefore, I'm not providing that information. I mean, we have to come to a point. You know, we, we talk about IPD and all these more integrated project types um, that are theoretically get us to um, get us away from who does what. But more more importantly about uh, this is what we need and you guys got to figure it out. Yeah. What, and, what does it work? OK, so um, one of the suggestions that I'm pushing for. Asset, asset portfolio managers um, and, and organizations that have a big asset uh, asset load is that they need to take a bigger responsibility in, in number one defining the requirements of that information and number two defining the requirements of collaboration right and one so possible solution is um, being the host of the common data environment because I'm finding that we are still siloing each other in these different hubs of, of information, whether that's BIM 360, you got Bluebeam, you got Procore, you got so-and-so and SharePoint and this and this and that. And then in the end, you're spending more time managing those uh, hubs and downloading and uploading stuff than actually um, tracking the issues that can provide a, a a better asset for the client, right? 
you know, and and provide the information to the stakeholders that that can then help you, you know, uh, make those decisions to maximize the use of this asset. So, so my um, what I would like to see is is um, asset owners take a bigger role in hosting these hubs in determining how this collaboration is done, so that in so that we so that then they can say. This is how we expect collaboration to be done, the, the independent of who is picked. This is the process because we need this information, and we're not going to pay for it. Pay for pay multiple people to develop it multiple times because different people are needing it at different times. Yeah. Do you know so it, it, oh, so one one last thing, it, you know, in the coming years, you know, the biggest usage of of uh, the biggest bump in technology use is going to be scanning because that is the biggest um, that maximizes what you get in one in one activity right because the costs then are going to come down that's going to make absolutely. it so much, that's going to make absolutely but but it it goes in hand with the point. workflow and the process and the that's, execution and implementation you have to define the again so you know a couple 20 minutes ago, I said, we're not really doing the, the first step of fundamental BIM, which is owner's requirements. What is the owner requirement? They don't want drawings in a building. They want true collaboration. That, that We're saying BIM, let's give them true collaboration and show them what that is so that we can mitigate the, re, the risk and responsibility together, right? It's yep. a group. Yep. It's a team effort. Yep. And, you know, it's funny, but I, I uh, like to your point there, I feel like there are so many assets that should be managed in, in terms of that building. It's not just the equipment that's inside of the building. It's the it's the building itself. Every part of that building, it's also the site, right? How can you manage the information of this site? And it, it, the entire site, like everything underground, everything is an asset that you should understand and you should manage as part of your process of growing, right? And I was telling Joey this earlier, dude. I don't know if you've gotten into InfoWorks yet or not, but um, InfoWorks has this what's called a model builder, right? And I love it because I first started getting an InfoWorks, and I'm like, I'm going to type in this address, and I want to see what information I can get with this. And next thing I know, I'm pulling the contours, the terrain. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm like, this is awesome. Okay, great. But, you know, I, and I, I'm like, I start getting excited about this because I, you know, in some ways I can see buildings and I can see where the buildings are sitting and I can see where the highway is, where these connectors are. And I'm like, all right, but I want more like InfoWorks in general is great, but I want to be able to pull it's, something like that, that model builder database and have everything there, yeah, like BIM, where the utilities, the connections are everything, man. BIM level data, but mineable. Yeah. The issue with InfoWorks is it's all open source data, which is pretty much just scan data. Pardon me. Um, yep. which, when you have a uh, when you have scan oh. data, to your point, when we're talking about scanning, there, there has to be a use case that comes out of it. This is like road scanning data, right? We've scanned an area, we've captured buildings, we've captured the roadway. It's made its way into um, uh, into InfoWorks, and it's usable for um, you know setting up our site visualization yeah. and things like that yeah you yeah like i use I, I used InfoWorks to create like i uh, i was telling you earlier where i lived in portland uh johan um uh, so i lived in washington county and they wanted me to have a survey done on my site to to um 
do all the development on my, my house that I had done. And uh, so all I did is I just pulled InfoWorks data. I did the 2 and 10 in Civil 3D. So I kicked out the surface from InfoWorks Civil 3D and brought into Revit, did my modeling on it and said, here you go. Uh, and that was it. I was done. I was like, all right, well, you know, faked it. I'm good enough. Yep. You know, you got, you, got, you got the data you want. Stamp it and we're, we're good to go. Um, and, and InfoWorks serves a purpose in that. But Dave, we need to have, like, you are right, man. We need to have mineable BIM data to go along with it because just having shape data like so uh in gis we have uh shape files shape files are just there's there's not a lot of information there's lines to and it. blocks nah dude there, there's there nothing is, there but they're geolocated and there's mineable information okay that's true the geolocation but, is a huge portion of that yes but, but also i, I can't go into the building and slice it and find the information exactly. that i want yeah no, i yeah. can't click on that wall and see that i can't i can't see where that panel is that in that wall where the existing but, gas lines come into it or the the electric connections and things like that i mean i feel like that's that's another part of the the process or or the assets of information that you can you can hand over to an owner but right but that tying that back to what johan said about scanning taking more precedence going forward again the cost is going down i Notice the Apple Watch on your arm there, man. Uh, the new iPhone, which I, I know like 20 people in my personal I don't, circle. I have the old one, but yeah, I wish I had that LiDAR scanner. Right LiDAR there. scanner, dude, yeah. Oh, man. They make it. A lot so, of people test it out. I've been seeing, I've been hearing some good results. You know, I've been so, hearing mixed results in terms of accuracy, right, and getting it point on. But it's a cell phone, dude. It's a it's, cell phone with a laser. It's like, a come cell on. Phone. Yeah, it's yeah. a low-grade IMU in it. So I've got an iPhone. You can't see it. iPad. Whatever. It's the only uh, Apple device in my house is this uh, iPad. But like I'm like seriously considering switching sides here, going, you know, leaving all my Samsung stuff behind and and diving wholly into because of the, the LiDAR technology. Um, so I follow Matthew Bird, who owns um, Nexus uh, Consulting. Yeah, Nexus yep. Consulting. As I say, next year, you're right, Nexus. And they do great stuff. He's out of, out of what, Idaho or something. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, I've, a lot with Kelly and those guys. That's great. Oh, yeah, you guys yeah. know a lot about scanning. He, he uses our great stuff. stations and stuff like he's yeah, he's he's ingrained with the, our brand, which is awesome. Uh, so I follow him on LinkedIn and I've been tuning into all of his stuff and he's showing off the accuracies of, of it and showing what you can do. And, yeah, it's not great for the front of his house. Yeah, yeah. it's, not, <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Like. You know, small scale, it's good. Large model, maybe not so yeah. much. But the cost is coming down significantly. So you think about like self-driving cars. They have uh, LiDAR scanners now that are $100 uh, for self-driving cars. And this is only going to further drive consumer tech, which is only going to further drive commercial tech. For us on the construction side, scanning is going to get cheaper. It's going to get so much cheaper. But until we know the use case that comes out of it, all we're going to be doing is pulling generic geometry yep. with no real data behind it. There has to be yep. a, to your point earlier about unstructured data, we have to structure this data. So Dave and I do a lot of stuff with like uh, Clear Edge 3D, right? So uh, there's this product called Edgewise that'll turn that into BIM data. That's exactly uh, where I wanted to go with this too, dude. I'm like, man, it, it's great having a scan, right? But it's almost but, like a picture. It's it's points, right? It's exactly, it's exactly so it, it, dude. You can look at stuff, you know, help. Yes, it helps you so, to quantify and make some good decisions up front. But 
Like you have to tag in for in, uh, information yeah. inside of that scan. Yes. So like Matterport creates a platform for different scan partners to tag information and geolocate that information inside of that scan. And that's great, but I've already done that. I have a model. It has all that information in it. I just wanted to merge my as-built information with my model information and not have to recreate the wheel, not have to recreate yes. my geometry over here, but somehow find a way to pull this structured information and merge it with this unstructured point cloud data. And we say unstructured point cloud data. I know point clouds are structured to an extent. Some of them are. Yeah. yeah, well, to an extent, right? There's different formats that we can have for structured data. Um, but, but that said, even structured point clouds are still unstructured in a sense for our BIM it's data. It's a block. They're yeah, it's a block at that point. Yeah. So how yeah, do we it, merge the information? Okay, so... You know, at Mount McDonald, we, we try to um, promote a practice of developing technology plans, okay, as part of our um, project execution plan, okay? So, you know, this portion of the project ex execution plan dictates what software we're going to use, what the intent of that software is, what the, what the um, what is the information that is it, exchangeable, interchangeable, and and we provide that as the plan as why we, you know, the, the, the reason why we're choosing these platforms, right? Mm -hmm. And that, those decisions are made in direct, um, directly to support our BIM goals, okay, our model uses, and that that directly supports our uh, owner goals, okay? Yep. So, so, Again, keep the end in mind. What is the owner goal? They don't want just a drawing. They want you to collaborate the best way, the most efficient way to save time yep. and save money. How can yep. we do that? Common data environment. But I we need rules agree. around that. Yes. Right? And that's where that bad word contract comes into play. So let's Permissions, include, man. It's permissions. Let's include <laughs> the owner, right? And let's yep. mitigate that risk together because together we will provide you the – the, um, the product, the asset that you that you can maximize. Yes. Yep. I worked for uh, did work on a hospital project, and it was uh, how do we get butts and beds faster? Like that was the bottom line. Like butts and beds faster. Like we need people building these hospital beds as fast as possible. Not thinking of it in a morbid sense, but like we have a hospital to run, guys. Come on, let's fill it. Yep. How do we utilize all the tools possible to stay within in scope as far as uh, 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 you know, the, the, the information and the project timeline and the scope and all that stuff. Um, also with timeline, obviously. So scope and timeline and, and cost, how do we like do all this stuff and, um, not ex make sure we're not exceeding our timeline, but there's a way for us to scoot it in just a little bit, say three days, you're saving us more money than you could ever imagine, like $100,000 a day or some, some stupid number Well, like I think that. that's where we start looking at the predictive analytics and we start looking at generative design, right? But, and we could start really combining those two and, 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 and putting that up front with, okay, if we do it this way, we're going to save this much over this amount of time. Everybody's selling us predictive analytics right now. Yep. But the issue is we don't have a library of predictive analytics. Like we don't have no, a history getting back 10 yep. years to say whose predictive analytics are better, one, you know, that's obviously the bottom line, who's got a better algorithm, but two, how useful are these predictive analytics? Are they flawed? Are they actually, use, is it usable information? Um, 
so the the scenario I give people is, you know, I've worked with so-and-so contractor on this type of project. We're three projects deep. And, you know, two out of the three times so far, we've hit this type of issue at this, you know, timeline and this milestone in the project. So I should get an alert saying I'm 36% more likely or 60% more likely, whatever the magic number is. Don't quote me on statistics. But uh, <laughs> we're going we're to get this uh, this type of issue working with these subcontractors on this type of project. We don't have a history of those algorithms just yet. That pattern recognition, while it's been available for a long time, it doesn't have enough information. It doesn't have enough data. It doesn't have enough structured data to be able to pull all that and give us those analytics and get us to the next point. Um, so, like, we've got all these file formats, whether it's Kobe, I, uh, would you say uh, UCF or I'm not uniform familiar. Uniformat 2. Uniformat 2. See, man, I'm not on the that side of things. The Uniformat 2, whether it's scan data, whether it's BIM information modeling, whether it's SIM information modeling, whatever it is, these platforms at the end of the day, there's got to be a holistic way to aggregate data for predictive analytics yes. so that we can get to a point where we and can it's recognize. Not it's not ICF. No, it's not ICF. That's it's geometry. not ICF. Oh, my no, gosh. No, IFC. 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 I'm sorry. It's not IFC. It's just not. I mean, that's that's where we're the industry has just showed how many standard. alcoholic beverages he's had. Quite a few. Oh, quite a few. I'm feeling very fine this podcast. No, yeah, <laughs> this uh, podcast, but Dante, I don't think it's IFC. I just don't think it's IFC. I really don't because I've gotten those files. It's, geometry, and like, right? it's just geometry. Well, there's, there's no smart, metadata there, man. Well, because it hasn't IFC. been developed, right? Yep. There's a smart that, again going back to the owner's requirements. They're yeah. not asking you for a building. I mean, they're not just asking you for a building. You made the choice to build the model. Yep. They didn't tell you to use CAD or Revit. Yep. You chose to do it. So we then, as the owner, want you to maximize the use of that tool. Don't just yep. use it for design authoring. Use it for actual clash detection. Use it for analytics. Clash Use prevention. it cross, exactly. Use it in, yeah. in multiple ways so that we can maximize the use of it. That's really yeah. that's really what the owner needs to hear. Is that yeah, these tools are can be used in the tradi traditional way to provide the traditional deliverables, but we can maximize it way more. And in the end, I guarantee you, it will it will benefit the owner. Yeah. What do you yeah. think about this? I mean, this has been coming, I won't say it's commonplace, but there's a handful of companies out there now doing it where their owners, they provide the family information, right, the Revit data uh, to a specific LOD that they require for their systems. They, in turn, kind of almost control the supply chain going along with it, but they control the data from day one with their own standards leading into it, their own platform. Yes, you can use your Revit, your CADs, your ARCHICADs, or whatever the hell else people use in other countries. I'm not sure. This is America. We use Revit. It's America. We use Revit. Jeez, Louise, dude. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I mean, there's a, a dozen applications out there. and, and Blender. <laughs> hey man, open source. Yes. yes. Hey man, I I there love Maya. I love 30s Max. Um, 
but I've seen a lot of great stuff done with Blender, man. It's it's a cool it's a cool visualization. Tool. Open source, I think, is just awesome. The fact that yeah. you leave it. I mean, it, it is. QGIS has a lot to be, no, be desired. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but but there's yeah. a uh, they're working on a GIS Blender add-on, which looks oh. pretty pretty good. I'll have to check it out, man. I'm a uh, I, I, you know, I was a college kid once on a budget and used a bunch of open source data. So like uh, uh, SPSS, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. It's a statistical analytics software. Uh, it is so ridiculously expensive, overpriced for any college kid to ever, ever pay for their own license. We were only ever given a 30 day student license, but there was an open source version of it. So we would use the open source version of it, which is completely free, obviously, um, to do all of our stuff. And it worked damn near just it, the interface was different, but it worked just as good as the overpriced, you know, MATLAB, SPSS, plugin, blah, 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 blah. I don't know, man. I, I love open source data. Yeah, I, you know, that's kind of that. that is also one thing I, I, I did want to mention today is, uh, you know, the the um, OS Arc. Uh, group on LinkedIn. Um, it's a great group. There's so much information on how to use these open source platforms for the AEC industry. Um, it's headed by uh, this guy called Dion Molt. Um, so yeah, you know, open source I think is is very promising because again, for owners, you know, they're looking at cost, right? And if they can save money. In, license. in the licensing and they just need to uh define a workflow uh, you know around specific requirements and that you know and then they just have to train people to use that that platform that's the way they're gonna go right so is os arc a, a tool itself or is that just the open source community for our for gis it's the, it's the open source community for um uh open source ac software so oh. OS Arc, yeah. I, all right, man. I'll have to give this a yeah, right follow them on Reddit or, or wherever, uh, man. Uh, LinkedIn. 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 All right. OS Arc, yeah. Um, on this, one of man. the things that I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to is um, they've released some, some updates for their Ladybug uh, platform, which is sort of. Uh, what I would say, their Dynamo slash Grasshopper platform Grasshopper, is. Grasshopper, yeah, it's and funny. Well, Dynamo's open is, source, though, man. That's crazy. Right. It's just, you know, um, this works more with uh, with Blender and mm. the open source um, platforms already available there. So, so yeah, you know, that, yeah. Again, maximizing these platforms is really what um, is going to help, you know, consultation firms stand out, right, and provide... Yep better services to, to, so, to the clients and owners. So I have a friend who has written some of the uh, most used Dynamo scripts for, it was like 30 minutes for me. He's written some of the most used Dynamo scripts for integrating between Revit and Dynamo, uh, Revit and uh, um, uh, Rhino rather. And uh, it's all pretty much Dynamo scripts, converting data back and forth, all that sort of stuff. The guy is a freaking genius. You know, talking about Revit, Rhino, and all the different applications out there, though, have you seen any kind of issues going between different applications as far as being able to capture certain information, sharing certain information, and, and adopting 
the these technologies. Like, so uh, I'll give you an example real quick. I have a firm that, um, you know, they they were ARCHICAD, but they found out that nobody could collaborate with them in the native file formats. And there was, you know, here in the U.S. rather, it's 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 a pain state. Adopting Autodesk products, um, you know, they didn't want to pay the extra money. You know, Autodesk is the 800-pound gorilla. They they've had a bad taste in their mouth for whatever reason with Autodesk, AutoCAD architecture, whatever it is. They're an architecture firm. Um, so now they're they ha- they're forced to go into Revit to work with other people. Do you think that like there is a stigma, I guess, or a uh, a better way to integrate these uh, platforms that um, are aren't you know the 800 pound gorillas in the room for for integrating and collaborating with other people. We're talking about collaborating for the owner's benefit. So is this you know this this has to be in mind, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know part of that is presentation, right? You know the the owner. Uh, I hope that the owner's perspective is that we're hiring you because you're the professional, right? You, <laughs> we're hiring you because you can figure this out. But you know it, it's it's about processes and 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 defining again. You know I talked about how Mount McDonald. Uh, uses technology plans. You know, we're gonna define why we're using this this platform, and we're gonna define the roles. We're gonna define the data drops. We're gonna find you know the the data format so that we we can verify that that matches what the owner needs in the end. You know, so um, you know that that the, the answer I think there is gonna be uh, process and execution, right? All right. So Dave and I deal specifically in Revit and Auto, AutoCAD. Uh, well, pretty much Autodesk in general. We live inside of Autodesk products, uh, with the exception of Bluebeam and a few others. Um, it, you know, we're we're not only are we resellers and vendors of this whole thing and platinum partners, but um, it's it's what we understand. It's what we've always worked in. I've always worked in, uh, you know, Civil 3D, AutoCAD, Inventor, and Revit. Those are the four main products I've ever used in my life. Well, in the Autodesk ecosystem, rather, uh, with the exception of ArcGIS, you know, these are what's being taught in college. So how do you how do you approach a new project with somebody who's mandating something that is not a software that is defined? This is kind of a hairball question here, but that is not defined or sorry, not defined, but rather not the norm. Right. Say a firm that you're working with says, look, we need this this uh, format, this layout to integrate to our system, how does that work with firms that um, uh, traditionally work in one piece? And I'll give you an example. Um, So I work a lot with with DOTs. DOTs use, say, Bentley MicroStation products. And um, most civil engineering firms use Civil 3D. So how do you bridge that gap for the owner who is using said software to kind of make sure that there's an information handover, right? A real information handover, a meaningful information handover. Exactly. And, and it goes back down to understand, um, helping the owner um, help the owner define those information requirements, right? You know, we need this information to be uh, to play well with different platforms. So we under we need to understand which which format they um, expect us to deliver it regardless of what platform um, 
you know, define which platform you use has to be as a result of what the owner needs, right? You know, yeah. Right? It's, it's a deliverable, dude. Is that's it? That what 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 information does that owner need? What deliverable do they need? How can they use it? That's really what we should be thinking of. Not can we use AutoCAD here? Can we use it? It's how can the owner translate the information? Is it going to benefit them more to use, you know, Plant 3D or? I and I'm, of course I'm just naming like Autodesk, you know platforms here but because that's what i know but techless it, it's, structures yeah it's techless structures it's it's you know I, I can't remember what the what is it vector works or something like that vector it's, works it, yeah. it's whatever it is it's how can they use that information what is um what do you mean you can't tool? remember they're the owners of uh aren't they Nemechek. the owners of they're Nemechek. Nemechek. yeah Nemechek. Nemechek. Yep, yep yep well I, uh, I i don't know dude i i i'm biased you know what i mean i start looking oh, at me stuff too. like I, 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 I start looking wow. at 3D design programs and I'm like, yeah, but why do you not have parameters in here? That's great. You can give me a block, but why can't I have information with it? <laughs> you know, and <laughs> yeah. attributes. What's going on here, guys? <laughs> but you know, at the same time, I've I've realized that I have to have that. Uh, well, the open mind. You got to have an open mind in this industry, and, and really think about okay, what tools are going to benefit. The deliverable here what is going to be best to give them the data that they need now the hard part there is um really having an educated owner right because the owner might not know what they need and then you have anybody that can take advantage of them and say ha we'll give you this lod well, 200 or lod you and i you and i have experiences we have oh, a yeah. very large like one of, Here's this know, model one of the largest that has no information in it one of the largest <laughs> City governments in the country has yeah. requested BIM. They've got BIM on a project. BIM comes through. They have a yeah. Here's your BIM. They're happy. They're done. Box is checked. A year goes by. Project floods. Oh no problem. We don't have O and M. You know the O and M's. You know completely shit. Right. The paper guides are shit. Not an issue. We have a digital model. Let's go back to that digital model. Oh shit. It's just boxes and. These are just blocks. Is this a cube? What information does this have? Where was this from? Uh, this was from the author made by this date. Yeah, that's great. Next yeah, project, and, and, that and, same owner goes out and says, we're going to spend $2 million defining what the hell BIM is because we are not getting screwed again. Right. So yeah. go ahead, man. And then, and then you have, as an owner, you have to define it three times, okay? Well, actually, more than that, you have to define it at every phase of the project because there's different requirements of building information management <laughs> for the owner <laughs> at different phases. This is, you know, like I said, the, the design team, the contractor team, they're the one making the choice to use 3D or 2D. Yeah. It's not the owner, right? No. The owner's like, hey… You say 3D, okay. Then that's the that's the that's the chance where the owner can say, okay, well, I want you to maximize it, and make sure that the design is collaborated, and make sure that the information can be translated through construction, through operations. Because I don't want the co contractor to receive your model and look at it and say, this is a <laughs> this is a closeout model. No, I can't I can't quantify anything here. You know, yeah. I can't I can't do my construction activity planning with this model. So guess what? Sorry, I'm gonna have to charge you 
because yeah, I gotta build I gotta build another model for my purposes, right? Yeah. You know, so so that's where we're you know falling in this these pitfalls where it's you know I think it's about mitigating the responsibility and making sure that the owner has the chance to define these requirements ahead of time and and we we educate them to to be aware of these requirements. Yep, I completely agree. You got to have those consultants out there who are going to educate them. If you do, if you're, if you don't have like that that knowledge, that previous experience to be able to approach this pilot or this project, um, I, I I say a lot of times owners should be looking for these consultants, but you should look for a consultant that's knowledgeable in the process. They're not they're not just one uh, size fits all. Right. In the sense of we need BIM, we need SIM, we need I mean, there's so many different parts of this, like BIM and SIM are great, but how does it fit into our FM? Right. How is this going to how is this going to translate into my facilities management? How is this going to translate into asset management? How am I going to archive this data? How am I going to update it? Like what what low cost solution can I try to find to keep this information updated so that when I move down the, you know, timeline of my of my building and I'm ready to update it, you know, what how can I use this data? You know, this data isn't going to essentially I always think about college credits here. Yeah, we'll give you, you know, however many credits for this, but it's not going to translate to that college or this college or anywhere else. <laughs> like I have this data, but it doesn't go anywhere. What the fuck did I just do? Oh, excuse me. Yeah, ah, so, what did I just do? Oh, hey, time? man, this is a kid-friendly podcast, a, guys. My gosh. Uh, dang. dang, I can't check. So when I upload this to YouTube, there's two There's a, two boxes. <laughs> is, is this adult or is this kid-friendly? I always check this is adult. This is never kid-friendly. Okay, good. <laughs> We're, we're good, man. Friendly. Okay. Uh, but 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 going off of what you were saying there, real quick, Johan, do you question you? Do you ever see a third-party consultant come in and kind of have to define this just a little bit more? So like, preface this: I work. Yeah, I know you, right? But it's I work with like yeah. I work with this amazing guy. His name's I don't know if you ever worked with him. His name is David Cordicus. He works for shout yeah. out to BIM Synergistics. David Cordicus yeah. is a great guy on the coordination yeah. side. Uh, you worked with them? Yeah, no, I actually we had a chat. For, you know, we interviewed each other for for about an hour and a half um, <laughs> last year. So so yeah, I, I know Dave. You know Dave, man. I, All I right. know, I know. <laughs> yeah, instead of Dave's not here, everybody knows yeah. Dave, man. Dave is here. Uh, <laughs> I like Dave. He's, he's, he's a great out. guy. Yeah, yeah he's shout great. out to Dave Porticus, man. Like. I had this uh, uh, call with uh, a firm in Ohio who's like, they're like, look, we think we know BIM, and then we get this third-party consultant in, and they're like, dude, you don't know shit. And it's like, oh, okay. And they, like, just blow them away. They're phenomenal. And I'm like, yeah, I work with that guy. His name is Dave Corticus. He he gets it. Like, yeah. he, he – I don't know, man. Like, shout out to Dave. Just can't give enough props to him, man. I can't wait to have him back on another episode. But that said, like, do you ever come across these – these consultants. So you're at one level, right? But there's all these people underneath you. Do you ever have to work with, say, a consultant that's representing your electrical firm or your mechanical firm or whoever else has got the scope on the project? I'm not sure what you're responsible for, who comes in and just helps just define stuff because they are not part of the, the either the design team or the owner's team. They, they just come in as a third party rep. Sure. They're, they're, so two answers to this. Um, just like David, you know, you'll find that anybody who 
knows um, can define BIM requirements very well for an owner. They've branched out and they're doing it on their own, right? That they're they're providing that consultation services throughout all phases of design, right? Um, and they're doing that, you know, by themselves. Um, that's what I see a lot there. So, and, and there's not a lot of them, you know. Like you said, th there's there's just not enough for the need out there, right? Where we where we really need to educate all these stakeholders to, as to what it is, you know, the project needs other than drawing specs in a building. We're getting that already, right? What it what it is that we need to maximize this asset, um, you know. And, and the second part to that answer is uh, with Mont McDonald. What what we do, or what we're trying to do with uh, digital with digital de digital delivery, is we've set up a network that um, you know we've reached out to to our region, our North American region, and we've uh, reached out and tried to um, identify subject matter experts, right? So that when a project starts, you know that project manager has resources and, and that that they can rely on. And and that we can provide some guidance on, to, you know, how to how to set up a technology plan, how to do a BIM execution. So, Mont McDonald's a big a big company. You get, how many employees do you guys have nationally? Internationally. Inter sorry, inter <laughs> international. You're a global company, man. Like global. Right? Global. Yeah, internationally, I think we have upwards to four thousand employees. We are roughly the same size, man. Uh, yeah. Our employer is about 5,000 and for, I don't know, 4,500, somewhere around there. Some, and, yeah. Yeah, and you guys are in that fall park. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but Dave and I, we're outside of our company. We're international as well. Uh, 32 co countries and counting. 32 countries, dude. That was nuts. I seen that you Spotify report, dude, and I was like, holy cow. 32 yeah. countries who would have thousands thought thousands of listeners i love it man i'm uh I, this podcast awesome. has been thank you so much you guys for listening to us everybody out there yeah. thank you so Dude, much this has been like the most fun thing we've ever done like just hey we're two guys bsing about ben and we get to interview uh cool ass people like johan so right cool. exactly so it's so a to tie it back though you know hey man orange cup i love it uh bullet uh johan there you guys, Mont McDonald, how many resources do you guys have in your territory? Because the reason why I ask is the Pacific Northwest, in my mind, is kind of a mecca for BIM. You kind of stand out in this whole role. So how many people are you leaning on as subject matter experts to kind of pull from? Like, is there is, there, is it a diverse pool? Yeah, it's a diverse pool because we've identified um, specific uh, topics that that we want to focus on you know um first of all we want to focus on bim right we want to focus on defining bim through all the different the various phases of the the, the life cycle of the asset right um but we also want to um define or help help provide guidance on how to execute bim but also how to execute a common data environment yeah. um and, and that is interesting because uh, Mont McDonald partnerships with uh, you know multiple firms um, on on projects, and and the size of our partners varies, right? So part of our digital delivery uh, initiative is that we 
see the need that we need to upscale or um, you know help educate our partners too. So by by defining our processes and workflows and documenting, you know, we also have the chance to educate our our um, our other project participants so that you know we really maintain that that end goal of collaborating together. Right. And not just having, you know, this little partner that's doing has a little scope, you know, do their stuff in AutoCAD. Now let's integrate them and let's upscale them so that they can be uh, a bigger, you know, uh, a larger stake of the project. So uh, looking back. Right. So earlier in the conversation, I discussed a. uh, A few customers, it's not just one, it's several clients of mine that work for Penn State or have worked for Penn State, let's say, uh, in regards to their BIM executable plan, right? Their BIM project, their uh, project, I can't even speak, their freaking, uh, <laughs> their damn BIM plan. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> are we talking? Is this, what are these things coming out of my mouth? Do you not understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Oh, sorry, man. A little uh, Chris Rock there. Um, yep. uh, so like, thinking back to this part, right? Like where there was an issue with data translation, common data environment, common data environments, the issue for them on multiple different subcontractors and contractors on this, on this project that they worked on, you know, decades ago has still been, yeah, we adopted BIM. Here's Revit. We have this tool. It's great. It's awesome. But we don't actually really use it. We have 3D geometry. We use it to flip and spin models and extract data. Data, and then we send it to our surveyors who are on site or we uh, do layouts, but here's IFC data that comes in from Tecla and there's no common data environment. So my question to you is bridging all these gaps, David, everybody take a shot. Everybody take a shot. We said bridging all the gap, bridging gaps. So that's a shot. (laughs) All right. Uh, every time we say bridging gaps, uh, hashtag, uh, there's a, a shot that gets taken. So, um, thinking about all these different technologies and these different partners on a project, right. That come in at different, even if the owner is intelligent enough to say, you know, say what they want, uh, these, all these projects come in at different phases, different streams of the project, the issue with common data environments and how they share data, not only internally, but externally has always been an issue. So say for the architect, right? The architect's like, oh yeah, we've got, here's our uh, design intent. You know, we're gonna share with the engineer. The engineer's like, oh yeah, great, 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 blah, blah, blah. We have to redraw your walls because you didn't share a, um, uh, you know, you cloud share this model to us and we don't have a work sharing set up and blah, blah, blah. We have to redo everything, but here it is. And we're gonna give it to our guys downstream and th- via Dropbox. and you know, blah, blah, blah. You can see the iterations between that, but you can't see any more information. And and those guys downstream get the information. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's this data, and I'm going to share it to you, Mr. Drywall Contractor, via PDF. But it's not a PDF-based, you know, it's not like a version management PDF system. I'm just sending you new PDFs once every month and hoping that there's not too many changes in between. Like, there's a lot of iterations that go in between that. So, like, what have you found as the really purpose-driven common data environment, like what's the what's the tool that you think of when you think of CDE or whatever this new buzzword is 
when we think about this is a long-winded explanation by the way i apologize uh what is this tool that you think of when you think of like common data environments like what is this way to share information but not just share geometry because we can share geometry in a 3d pdf what is this way to share geometry and information and all the stuff for all the people downstream what are you using i'm just curious sure um and it is not a one platform solution ever nope Never is, dude. It never so, you is. know what's funny is I wanted to say I, I, this entire time you were talking, Joe and Johan, when you were talking, all that's popping up in my head is the whole strengths and weaknesses kind of ideal, right? Where you're looking at the different strengths and weaknesses that different softwares, different processes, you know, different contractors, different people that you work with, right? Everybody has their own strengths and weaknesses in terms of what they can offer you and where they're weak at, right? Revit itself, great in visualization, great in architecture. You know, we're getting there in mechanical. Are, are, are they, you know, where they need to be in fabrication parts? No, that's where we're going to have to bring in another platform, you know? It, it, it's just figuring out that data, right, in terms of what is beneficial to you and and what's going to you know what's going to i would say be positive over that negative and what is acceptable and 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 also it, in all of that that you guys were saying it's setting expectations right if you can set those expectations and know okay we can get you this far and this is where this next contractor needs to step in or this person needs to step in and they're going to be able to take you to this point and this person will be able to take you to this point because if you can deliver that up front if you can set those expectations up front you can set that project timeline and the overall budget at something where everybody is going to say, I agree. And this is this is this is actually going to happen, you know, instead of, yeah, you know, even though you're weak in this, I expect you to deliver this in two weeks or four weeks. And these people are struggling on the other end trying to figure out how to do this, even though you knew they were weak at it. You, you can't you have to figure out what pieces of this puzzle that you can use in terms of BIM or SIM or whatever the hell it is that you're going to use. How can these pieces fit together and how can I match them up to 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 make this like perfect little conglomerate that's going to work for me, right? I'm not spending too much money, but it's going to give me these results and this data that I can use in this way. Yeah. And, and you know, um, a lot of the times, at least in my in my experience, you know, BIM is a requirement that is already placed on the project. Yeah. I'm just like, what part of BIM are you me, trying to use they tell, though? They tell like. me, they, they tell me, okay, we we saw this project as a BIM project. That's why we got you. 40, 5 60, 70. What is it, guys? So a lot of the times, um, not a lot of times, this is the reason why a BIM execution plan is so important. Yes. Because the planning department and the, the, group that, yeah. that group, the group that is winning the job and saying that, yes, our team can do BIM. And we can do clash detection and resolution. We we got this, right? But you go back to the people that are actually doing it, and they're like, Yeah, I was gonna say they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, you know, especially Wait with the minute. services in design. Yep. If you're talking about MEP, they're gonna look at you like, Look, we know, look, we know we're gonna bid you a model, 
But trust me, it is not going to be what the fabrication model looks like. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, so so yeah. we're already setting ourselves for failure. You're setting yourselves up well, for failure. Yeah, yeah dude. Yeah. Here's the issue with that, though, right? So the fabrication model, and, and just to speak from an MEP standpoint, like, I love these guys. These are the guys I relate with the most. I'm a, So I'm a, a survey guy by background, and I worked in construction layout. But so dealing with the stop gaps as far as, like, Revit and all that sort of stuff, like, I relate with MEP, well, not MEP, but MANP. Electrical, you guys are the redhead stepchilds. Just hate to say it. Uh, it is How what it is. Dare you, sir? <laughs> it, it is what it is, guys. Right? And I love electrical. I love you guys, but fabrication MEB had nothing for you, so it didn't matter. Yeah, that's so true. It was not a big leap for you. You can figure it out. But the mechanical and piping guys, right? So, you know, we've got a lot of prefabrication on our side that happens. Speaking from an MNP uh, specific role, right? The issue is the software Reddit does not do a lot of uh, a lot of what we wanted to do for the prefabrication purposes. So we actually have to kick out our Revit model to another software, right? You know, Fabrication Academy P or whatever we're using to create these uh, files, and we can bring those back into Revit, but only as an MHA file. Revit only allows us to bring in one, which is stupid. Without a plugin. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, just harp on that a bit. There are plugins. A shout out to Britton Langdon, who was on our episode, what, like three episodes ago? Yes. Uh, his tool allows you to bring in multiple MAJ files so we can bring them back into Revit and actually uh, utilize them from different system standpoints, which is but, great. But going back to the point of it, it's setting the expectations and knowing the software's strengths and weaknesses, right? You have That's to what know. I was going to say. It right? is, but why are we why are we beholden to software weaknesses? When no, no, no. We Bro, wait a minute. It's no. expectations. It is. I, it's setting it's expectations. That's it. It's, it's knowing what you can and cannot do. So you know where to start and where to stop because if exactly. you know that this program is weak here, okay, cool. Let's stop and let's go into this other program. And where are our SMEs? Where are our subject matter experts? Where can I have this person who I'm spending $30, $40 an hour to detail this? Where can I make sure that it is optimal that they are spending their time, right? We know that Revit is, you know, let, let, let's say – there's, Revit is not as great in, in, in dimensioning and making design, sure and then there's drafting. We have design. Oh, yeah. Design's gonna get well, you. That's, that's the thing. You're yeah. right. You're absolutely right. I think that specific, specifically with the services, services uh, consultants that are working with MEP, they fall into this trap where they have to provide documentation to show design intent. Yep. And unfortunately. The biggest thing, uh, the biggest reason why there's contract changes or design changes is because the existing condition isn't captured right. Yes, that's it, you, dude. You know how you this know is set. You know how right? this is and so, and so yes. then, and, Wait, and then so yep. then, so then you think that your design is done. Engineers like, look, I gave you a pipe run from here to here. I know that it's the right size and it'll give me yep. the right pressure for the right system and the right thing that I'm pushing through it. But then. You get to the like the electrical guy, and he's like, "Well, I got this big VAV here. Like, you can't put a pipe through here, nope. and you know I have specific clearance to the issues. So, you know, your pipe 
that looks close really needs to move like a foot away and you're going to need to add three bends to it. So then the engineer's like, oh, I got to add three bends. I got to recalculate this thing. Yes. So then you, you find that loop where it's yep. like, have we really done design collaboration? No. Coordination? No. Before we done documentation? We haven't. And so no, you haven't. No, exactly. We fall into that trap. We're, we're all talking to each other. I apologize. But you know where we're getting at with this concurrent fucking engineering god damn it well dude i mean it's all of it right i mean it's the same damn thing that he's talking about it well, it, it has to, to get be to that like to get that piece of concurrent I, engineering it's it's to get the the so not only do we have engineering in progress right the engineers are saying yep. what they need yep. but you have the subcontractors coming in and saying look look like this does not work that way sorry you've got this but you're not that's accounting why you for need the common data oh. environment that's why you need it that's why you need it man you need to have like you need to understand i wish i not throw up gang signs because i would throw up cde <laughs> in a gang sign exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> because yo no yeah. like, common data environments no, he's man right. That's where we're at. he's right because the cde you know we're building individually at different phases all these cdes and then we're just spending so much time ma maintaining these cdes that to to contain the accurate information the right models if i don't have the 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 right models from the design side i can't clash you know the design and i can't yeah. do issue for fabrication dude we fall into these traps consistently right so but so again let's educate the owner right let's show them that their involvement isn't a risk right it's a it's actually we're mitigating the risk together the risk is there yeah right it's but let's there. help let's help together to define to define this project in a way that we can work together and provide the owner the right thing and that yep. they can maximize it and analyze it and say you know what you know, I've been changing this filter or this belt has been breaking, you know, three times in a row before it's life. You know what? It's going to cost me uh, it's going to cost me way more. It's going to save me way more money to replace it now than to wait for the life expectancy to come up and fix all the issues. That's what the owner wants. They don't want drawings. They don't want they don't want specs. So the, they don't talk about specs or drawings. They want the data. They don't need it. All right. They we've talked about it. this. They don't need it. Uh, we've talked. I feel like this should be like a Seinfeld X episode, and we needed some guy to be the Kramer, the really eccentric uh, guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, we don't need it. Uh, need no it. for you. Uh, we, we don't need it, right? But but to, to define these processes, not just processes, but just find like what's needed takes – really educated people and we talk about bim and we think about like you know i always hear about this like in the in, when i'm talking about uh, uh design to people i'm like oh yeah we can show you how to design this 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 and here you go oh but i always butt heads with my you know project agent project manager or the guy out in the field or whoever it is tells me that this can't be done this way and it's like well, that's a training process for you to learn what they know but really at the bottom line is if we had their knowledge in your head, like, you know, the 3d software, and this is where we're getting at as millennials, like Johan, you're, you're probably our age, man. I 85, imagine. 1985, 84, baby. Wow. 87, 89, 
this baby. This guy doesn't even have spell Vim. This guy. <laughs> you old people even know what Vim is. Do you oh, even know wow. what Atari is? <laughs> <laughs> I do know what Atari is. I started out on the Atari. I was like, Pong is amazing. What you in Commodore 64, bro? <laughs> uh, Tony Hawk, okay? Do you know, do you know what Tony Hawk is, bro? <laughs> I'm Tony Hawk all day, man. Oh, man. Some 41, man. Uh, oh, anyway. Yeah. Sorry, man. Uh, Some 41. <laughs> I've seen that fat lip shit in my head all the time. I love man, Some 41. I actually got to see them in concert. Dude, it was legit. Nice. Phoenix, yep. Texas, and Sum 41, man. They're both on the Tony Hawk soundtrack. I love it. Yep. They're great. Yep. Um, anyways, man, sorry. Rump tub. Another tangent. Of, another tangent. tangent. That's what we do. <laughs> but thinking about in terms of, uh, God, 80, 89, you fucking big. You were younger than my wife. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> my wife is 88. You're a child. I am. I could have had you out of my loins at five. Oh Anyways. Sorry. Call me daddy, bitch. Anyways. Uh, uh, I'm out of alcohol. This is, this is definitely an adult show. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely an adult podcast I'm now. I'm clicking That's kid it. on this next. I joke, uh, I joke, I kid, I kid. Uh, a kid, kid. Uh, but, but anyways, my point was like, I don't know how my point was, but my point was. Um, talking about like Bim and Sim. What the hell were we talking about, guys? Sorry, man. I am. We got off way off tangent. You were talking about something, Johan. And Dave, uh, we you were brought up. We, t- we were talking about CDE, right? Yeah, a we were talking about the important. We were talking about the importance of of the CDE, and and you know, again, like we need to educate the the owner to, to to take a bigger part in that you know yes um, oh, yes, one, yes, yes. One, one of the things i'm telling my owners is hey let's let's host the bin 360 right mm-hmm. let's do that because right now we got two bin 360 sites right now one for one side one for the construction yeah. side and they're spending more time uploading and downloading yeah, than dude. they are actually yeah. i make you know, copies time. Why yeah. are you trying to so, download a copy of the model when you literally could have a link that live updates? Like seriously, uh, I mean seriously, I mean really, this is this is what so, we want to look at at the end of the day when everybody is making these design, you know, decisions, when everybody's setting expectations, they want this information, they want as much information as they as they can take in, right? But at the same time, they're like, well, how much information do we really want to share? Well, wait a minute. So we need to be we need to have this, you know, beneficial symbiotic relationship of like, let's go ahead and publish every so often. Like, I mean, I'm not saying a live linking. Right. Because that's that's, in some ways, you know, it depends. Again, it depends on what you're doing. Don't live link. But if your architectural structural. Why not live like, link? Exactly. You're not That's the opposite yes. mentality of what I've been saying, though, man. So I've been telling architects not to live link. Well, architects, engineers, they can live link with each other. But everybody else, you don't want to see all the architectural changes. Dude, like if I the architect sharing... a structural engineer, and I could live link as an architect. No, 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 no. Architectural. Like, art. It's okay. So there's a subsect, right? Architectural engineering, live link. But if I'm on the MVP side, I don't want to see all those damn changes. Oh, definitely. But they should be done. The programming of the of the facility of the building should be done. 
Yeah. There shouldn't be walls moving. There shouldn't be the uh, not there should, wet room. There the should be, but you and right. I know there are. Absolutely. But well, then again, that, that that's part of, you know, defining the milestones. That's part of defining the schedule. That's yeah. part of, the, you know, defining the, the so, owner requirements, right? And the collaboration requirements. We yeah. can't so, get the work done. We can't issue for fabrication if we don't have the information to actually clash. Yes, dude, right? That's it. You need to be able to clash. You need actually, you know what? I want to take it a step above. Joey, I'm done with this clash detection. I want clash prevention. Oh, Joey's done with the bottle. But I want clash prevention, dude. I seriously, I'm I'm done with clash detection because it's it's a thing of the past, right? It's already happened. It's already happened. It's garbage. It's already too late. Okay, so in design phase, you're benefiting the owner. They are providing the owner. Yes, you're, you're not the giving, Sorry, you're giving, benefiting the construction firms, not the owner, when we talk about clash detection. The, it doesn't right, benefit the but owner. In the they end, don't pay anymore. Wait, but you in the fucked end, up, not them. But in the end, yeah. it's cheaper for the owner. It is because it, it's less rework. You're right. But at the same but, time, if you think of clash prevention instead of clash detection, that's rework in terms of design. Like you're, you think of, of rework, right? Yes. We, we think of rework as so many different things. Rework can be in the design. It can be in construction itself. Like it, it, clash detection is rework itself. If I had clash prevention – where I have every model live linked to each other, right? And as I'm detailing, as I'm drafting, it tells me, no, you can't do this because it's going to interfere with this system. You say, okay, cool. Guess what? There's no clash detection for that because it was avoided. That it, You just go around it, you detail, you draft as you need to, and you keep moving. And guess what? Clash detection becomes a thing you, of the past. I'm going to call you what? the B and BIM. Bitch! <laughs> well, okay. Here's no, the thing. It's happening, right. man. What? The new coordination. So, Johan, have you followed the new uh, platform? You're on this major project. You're integrated with software. Um, things probably don't change. For, yeah, I see the eyebrows. <laughs> Love it, man. Uh, Dave and I are. I don't know, Dave. I don't know how much you're beta testing these days, but I'm a I'm a beta tester of uh, BIM uh, dating back 10 years and every evolution of, and I see what's possible. I see what we're doing today, and I know what Autodesk announced uh, of AAU. There is a BIM collaboration uh, where we can integrate our BIM, BIM uh, processes, our design processes, rather. What's that? It's BIM Collaborate Plus, right, or something like that. Plus! Plus, because you got to get the plus, man. You got to get the more features. Yeah. Should be a time. Uh, no, plus. Yeah. Uh, Wakanda. Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. Oh, man. I'm going to miss Chadwick. That's nuts. Chadwick Boseman, that broke my heart. My son is obsessed with Marvel. So this year, we got him a. A Marvel Advent calendar. It's the 80th anniversary, which came out last year. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I like just, that. That's, man, I'm just saying. But yeah. but but he got that crap, and he is like, I want Black Panther, but he got the Black Panther from like 1970s. And he's like, No, no, I want the new Black Panther. 
Yeah, it's the same man. He's got like a cape and shit. Like, it's not the same. He's like, oh, yeah, we're going to Canada. Anyways, man. Uh, anyways, man, I'm I'm all about that shit. Um, so thinking about the new BIM 360, where we're going and where people will be going with the platform, I have a, a dear friend. I have a few dear friends on the de- the development platform for BIM 360. Let's just say layout. I guess for lack of a better term, who integrate the layout side of things, which is through model coordination. Layout dictated model coordination. Model coordination is now going to dictate the the collaboration component. Where we are going with this platform in the future, um, I think it's going to change a lot of things forever, man. I think there's going to be a deeper integration between design and collaboration are you using that platform you gave a little signifier yes. what you're using yes um so our you know our project groups are using um design collaboration to um shared published models and sets of drawings right um and we are starting to use model what did I just say? Coordination. Model, model coordination. Uh, sorry. So we're just going to be using model coordination to start looking into the the models, uh, meaning that the the client is actually going to start looking in, into the work in progress models on the design side, um, really just for access, just to to kind of see the progress that's that's happening, um, and and to generate questions and concerns on, based on the the elements available. Um, so yeah, we're we're definitely using the the, the Bin 360 tools, the Bin 360 modules. I think that for for the asset module, you know, we still have well, first for for the coordination module, you know, there still needs some work in terms well, of um, mod- yeah, and, and like clash detection settings and tools and rules. Well, like you, you can't need to re- be able to detect like a clash. You need to actually clash a 3D piping network from civil 3D. The Revit structure and to be able to know where everything is in that model, whether I, I just don't, I, I don't know, dude. I mean, I, I see it coming, right? It, it's There's getting work to there. be done. Yeah, it's getting yeah. there, but it's not yes. there yet, to, you know. So, so yeah, you know, I think that if anything, Autodesk is looking for partners to beta taste, test this and uh, to f- develop so, some use cases for it. So, yeah, it, you know, we'll see what happens. So uh, two things there. Your lead up into the question kind of, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, made me feel like you were more familiar or more reliant on tools like BIM 360 Glue as opposed to the new model coordination. Is that correct? Well, again, it it uh, is dependent on um, on the intent, right? We're just it depends on know, the project. Yeah, we're using document um, document management. Project, we're though. using docs, right? Yep. Really, as just a place to save models. It's a repository. That's what it exactly. is. Exactly. You know, yep. and, and and is it isn't until now that um, the design consultants are saying, or, or actually the contractors are coming out and saying, hey, you know, here's this you know asset module. Um, that we can use to extract the information from the models in document management, and, and we can interact with them. But then, you know, we the 
what we're seeing is that they're separate hubs, right? Yep. You got a design hub and a construction hub. Yeah. So that's why I keep promoting, so, hey, owner, let's take on that responsibility, so, and then you have the chance to provide more requirements. And there you have your chance to say, hey, this is exactly what I want coordination to be. I know Joey wants to talk right now. Oh, anyways, you're, you're, going, you, you're going, but – Dude, I want to oh, say, like, in this right. sense, this is where I want owners to say, all right, I want my contractor involved in, in, in the construction, in the design kind of portion of this model, because then we can have you create issues and say, hey, man, you know what? This isn't really constructible. I'd rather see it designed like this, and let's do this, because this is how we would build it. And in that sense, you don't need two or three different models, right? You get yep. one. Once you can start to bring everybody into that common data environment, you're creating communication like pathways of communication. And and people that don't know, well, you don't know. Now you know, right? Now you so, know. Whoa, biggie right there, dude. But like if you can go on the East Coast. Everybody. I want to go West Coast, man. I want to drop some regulators on these fools, man. Come on, man. <laughs> Joey's feeling it today. <laughs> right, right, right. But man, That's what I'm happens just, when you like, have a half a bottle of whiskey, bud? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> if we can like bring everybody up with that process in terms of, hey, you know what? You're not really needed in this way in the past. But you don't you don't need to to build anything yet. But we need your knowledge. We need your yeah. wisdom in this sense of go ahead and please just spread your wisdom on us. Share it with us. Like let's let's go. We're we're, we're designing this and and this designer this drafts person who's straight out of college may not understand. <laughs> sprinkle just sprinkle it on there. You know, they yeah. can't understand how it needs to go together. But this contractor who who has, you know, 10, 15, 20 some years in the industry knows how this is built and can literally tell them. Right. Or drawing something up to say, OK, hey, let's put this here. We need this here. If you help them to understand, it's only going to help everybody else to grow. It's not you're not sharing project specific, like valuable information. What you can do is make sure that this project helps like you help that project reach the end goal. Right. In the sense of let's all get this done together. Keep this the end in mind. <laughs> yes, dude. Exactly. So so what you're saying, man, brings up a million fucking points, dude. I'm like, let's fire in all cylinders and, like, go down these rabbit holes. Yeah. But uh, I actually think what you're saying, man, ties us all together, and it's actually a pretty good good way for us to wrap this up. Um, maybe I'll pick this up on, uh, you know, BIM is more than models. Hashtag number three. Trace. I think we got to have a number three, dude, at this there's point. About three, there's so man. much we got to be LeBron at this. Yep. We've, only, we've only scratched the surface. Again. Literally. Like, really, we're only scratching the surface, man. I mean, BIM is more than models, and it's all about the information, right? It, it, whether it's coming from the BIM, whether it's coming from the SIM, we're going to put the in front of it for all of you. It, it doesn't are, matter. <laughs> it's it does not matter. It's it's, it's it's the IM. The IM. That's this it. guy, this guy gets it, man. He does. This yeah. guy. Hashtag this guy. This and really, I mean, 
you know, it, it falls down to, you know, it, the other hashtag I'm trying to promote is structured versus unstructured data. I know it's like huge yep. and long, but like really that's what it really is about. If when we're talking about, you know, hashtag I am, it's it's whatever whatever letter you want to put in in, in front of it. It's it's information management. It's that's what it is. Do you that's end exactly up with these data lakes at the end that you can't pull information from and you have to figure out how to map information yep. from? So you yeah, absolutely. You just answer, absolutely answer absolutely. Play, and and you know what the yeah. the best tool there, in in any any uh, asset portfolio managers, they need to get a. Uh, feature manipulation editor or engine, uh, you know, person, FME person. Um, FME. FME, uh, feature FME, manipulation guys. editor or engine. Anyway, you know, um, the person we'll that we have, at, yeah, the person that we have at, at the client, you know, with the client, they, you know, she's, she's amazing. She's with GIS, but she, she's able to do, she's like, the Swiss Army knife of of the whole organization because she can take any data and port it out to anywhere you want. You know how I so uh, how I was sold on um, geography as a major. So I picked I, I so I was a uh, I ran a um, all right just to my own real quick we'll back up I uh, boop, boop, uh I ran a um, restaurant and catering company, and I had cooked for some of the coolest motherfuckers ever. Oh snap! I'm talking, I'm talking Alyssa Milano and her oh, fine ass. I got a dropping names. Shoulder like this, like well, actually she's like this. She's like four foot nothing. But anyways, uh, I got me with her. Uh, you know the. Uh, George W. Bush, Rick Perry, you know, former president of uh, uh, Mexico, Vincente Fox. Like, you know, like, I had cooked for these motherfuckers. Like, this is a form of life, man. Like, cool ass shit. And, um, like, thinking back to, like, how all this shit freaking integrates, thinking, like, how this is my past life. This is the data that I collected. These are the people that I've I've done shit with um, talking about BIM going forward and stuff. And like, dude, I actually have no idea how the fuck is she was going to well, play dude, in. No, no, no. It's, it's perfect, right? Because if you think about it, in, in, this, in the common data environment sort of sense so that we're all talking about, Joey, that, that's actually a good segue into it in the sense of like, I've worked with these people before. I have not worked with that's this. Where I know what to expect, right? Like, if, if you can Too figure out, risky. okay, we have this many issues with this person and, and every project we have these two or three issues, this is a chance for training, for retraining with them or retraining with us so we understand what the expectations you know need to be set as. Or this is something where our consultant in this sense needs to say, okay, you guys need to need to update in this because this is causing a constant rework or setback in our projects. Right. And it's knowing like, Joey, you and I talk about this. It's that AAR, APR in this sense, like that after action or after project review, knowing how to move forward, knowing and understanding that you can take that criticism from this project is not as not a failure. Right. But uh, as no, no, no. I had step. a way to tie this in. But Johan mentioned something and now I'm blanking. 
because I've had way too much to drink. Johan, what the freak were you talking about that made me think of this shit, man? I, man, I, I don't need, I don't even know. But, no. <laughs> but, BIM is more than models, okay? BIM is more than and models. We gotta, and we still got to focus on the BIM fundamentals, all right? When I talk yep. about BIM fundamentals, there's, there's, there's a, you know, uh, about six portions of, about the BIM planning um, uh, guide. But here's the, the four parts, okay? Owner, pr- uh, owner goals, owner requirements, okay? Mm-hmm. BIM uses, okay? Information exchanges, and then you put all that. In your BIM execution plan, that is your BIM. That is the basis of your BIM execution plan. Yeah. And if you're wondering, you know, if you're looking, uh, researching any information about how to start a BIM execution plan, just t- go to Google, type in PSU, BIM execution plan guide, and it's on version 2.2, and you'll find the most up-to-date information, and you can basically copy the framework there because that'll give you exactly what you need. You'll you'll learn about um, you know, how to build the execution plan, how to define what the uh, model uses are going to be, and how to really successfully execute BIM. Yep, yep, I agree. And then once you learn that, man, I, I think that you can start to understand how you can use these BIM processes or these BIM tools to benefit your projects, right? Because as we're saying here, and as we've kind of been talking about during this this episode, um, but the the different tools have their uses right they have their strengths they have their weaknesses in terms it's the same thing as as bim processes bim coordination clash detection clash prevention they all have their their uses and 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 their kind of well their their failures in the sense of their shortcomings right so figuring out what it is and setting expectations initially in terms of I know I can get this far with this and let's take it from there to this next standpoint or this next checkpoint, this next hurdle. And let's go, let's just keep moving and keep flowing and adapting. You know, that's a great way to end this on. I swear to God, damn it. I had a way to tie in what you said. (laughs) Damn it without rewinding this and figuring it all out, but whatever, no matter what, uh, it doesn't matter what the owner requirement is. You have to adapt to it. What Dave was saying, you have to kind of um, figure it out and how it filters downstream, like how it trickles downstream. And and we've got to tie all this shit together, man. That's it. Johan, I'm still entranced by your background, bud. Part three. Part three. Look Look West three. Coast. Yes, it is. It is. But seriously, yes, BIM is more than models. Part three, look on the look or keep on the uh, look for it because Johan, uh, dude, definitely we got to have you on again. Um, this was a great episode, and I think we can continue to further develop what BIM expectations are. Maybe help understand what BIM processes are, right? For for the owners, what what these pain points can be, what benefits come from using BIM. Uh, from maybe the perspective of an owner rather than a user, right? So I, I I feel like this is always great to have you on, man. Thank you again so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. And it was a blast. Cheers. Awesome. Cheers. I, 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 before we wrap up, I want to gauge how much have you guys drank? So I had uh, one – well, this was my second eggnog. 
And this is but my you were second three, beer. So you were three deep before we started. No, right? I, I was only one. In, I was only one deep. So one deep. Okay. Yeah. Dave. Oh, I, I finished off a can of the bubble stash. My basil Hayden's is gone. And I am maybe about uh, half finished with my second can of bubble stash. <laughs> I win! <laughs> I had a half a bottle of this uh, Rogue uh, Spirits Oregon Rye, rye which is yeah. delicious, by the way. And it's gone. Um, half a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Condolences to your wife. <laughs> She's gonna be so mad at me later. <laughs> oh, sweetie, I love you. I'm gonna go to bed now. Yeah. I'm coherent. Uh, big boy, coherent. Uh, I've actually got some turkey burnt ends uh, above me in the oven. Nice. So I'm gonna get after it, man. You guys have been great. Thank you so much. Thanks, dude. Thanks again, Johan, for joining us, man. Really. Um, thank you, everybody else, for, for listening. And as always, if you have any feedback for us or you want to reach out. Actually, Johan, uh, for any of our listeners who are curious, maybe there are some owners who are new to BIM and and want to reach out for some advice. Or maybe that's, that's somebody that's experienced in the industry and would like to share knowledge with you. How can they get a hold of you? You know, the easiest way to get hold of me is LinkedIn. Um, I'm, I'm there. Honestly, I'm there for all you guys. And I'm honestly there for myself, too, because I'm learning from you guys every single day. Um, you know, there's so much awesome stuff and, and so many awesome groups on, on LinkedIn. I just, you know, really, uh, I, I would say that if you're coming into this industry and you want to get connected with what's going on with the industry, get on LinkedIn and start and start, um, you know, communicating, collaborating with, with your peers. Cause that's where everybody's at, you know, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, one of the, uh, one of the other podcasts that, that I was invited to was the, the AC hive, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I get, and they were kind of asking, Hey, Hey, you know, give me some more ideas of, of who we can include into this, this group. So, you know, look out for, for more communities like that, because, yeah. you know, there's a lot of us out here that are just really willing to to share our our knowledge and information you know and then we can talk about contracts later on but hey let's just get together let's 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 drink a couple beers and and let's chat let's chat shot i like to preface it as you like to leave your you like to wear your bim on your sleeve um all of us <laughs> man we, we like to live to wear our bim on our sleeve uh, like it doesn't matter that. what platform we're talking about or what podcasts we just want to share information. That's all we're about. Uh, at the end of the day, none of this costs information, co- costs money, right, to share information. Um, <laughs> we, dude, this, is, this is what you're half good, a bottle Joe. of whiskey You're does, good, man. Joey. <laughs> no, man. But, but at the end of the day, none of us, we don't charge any of this. Uh, we don't charge any money. Like, this is a free podcast. Uh, yeah. AEC High free podcast, right? We just want to share information as to how you can, as an owner, as an AEC individual, subcontractor, contractor, whatever yourself, whatever, whatever just be an insight, whatever you can to um, aggregate data, share information, and provide your 
deliverable to an owner. And uh, if you have questions, reach out to Dave Campbell, Johan Tackler, or myself. We are all on LinkedIn. Damn it, LinkedIn is the shit, by the way. Just LinkedIn, say Twitter. Um, we, we have never... Um, so Dave and I, you know, just brewing uh, with BIM.com. That's our brewing website. Brewing with BIM.com. No, uh, so Dave and I, we, we don't, we don't give ourselves shout outs. We don't really do a lot of stuff uh, as far as self promoting. Uh, and we exploded, which is awesome. And I think that's a testament to the fact that we, we don't charge for information. We don't, we don't, um, we're biased to Autodesk software. Yes. But most people are in the United States are, so we kind of uh, follow that kind of paradigm. But but that said, like Dave and I, we we kind of like provide all this information for free. There's no cost for anything we do. We get experts like yourself onto this podcast so that we can share share the same information. And um, I don't care if you recommend open source data, Archicad. It doesn't matter what it is. But at the end of the day, like there's a project deliverable that you can yeah, define. You're the expert, is, man. man. Like, yes. We're relying on you. Like, this Dave is and I sharing will... the information, man. That's it. We just want to be here. We want to want to help channel that. We want to create this this channel, this podcast where we can share information with our peers, such as yourself, Johan, or any of I... our listeners out there, man. That's it. Yeah. I'm going to give a D-Generation X to all you uh, non-Audex users. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no you know, you know, with closing out, closing out, you know, th- this is this is really why um, I'm very passionate about BIM is because in, in general, like in projects, even before I learned what BIM was, I really understood the need of having the person next to you be at the same level that you're at and have the same information that you're at uh, that you have because that's the only way we're going to be successful and that's the only way we're going to be efficient is if we all understand the information that is available and we're all and that's what BIM is it's about collaboration it's not about Revit or 3D authoring softwares that's not what it's about BIM is way more than models BIM is more than models BIM is collaboration. BIM Dude. is information management. BIM is BIM is sharing. Johan, I'm gonna chop so this shit it. up into a rap, and it's gonna be you rapping about how BIM is not uh, is BIM is more than model. This is gonna be cheesy as fuck. Don't challenge me to give you some bars, yo. <laughs> hey, hey, man. Drop uh, some BIM bars. There you go. I got, I got, I got beats some BIM bars back, for you, bro. So, you know, <laughs> you need beats, <laughs> you can hit me up, too. <laughs> That's awesome. I got bars. Girl with the M, dude. Man, I got this shit. <laughs> oh. Yeah, uh, so, uh, to end this shit... BIM is more than models. Hashtag that's all that fucking matters. Peace out, guys. All right, guys.